2: Tom Bernard Show with Andy Grant Bernard.
1: Cassie
2: Schrader. Oh, your mic's not up.
1: Cassie Schrader. How are you
2: two doing over there? (laughs) really got her locked in. That's good. We'll be right back. Just a couple seconds. Tom Bernard Show.
1: one of those days
2: What is this?
1: This is actually Dave introduced... I've heard their stuff before. They're called Me Too and the Gimme Gimmies. And oh, they're kind God. of God. I know, but they're what they do is they take uh, popular songs and they punk rock them up. So, like this song oh, is Paula yeah, okay. Abdul straight up.
2: Oh, it is?
1: Yeah. I I mean, they go they even do Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And a lot of,
2: right over the
1: Well, what they do, um, a lot of their stuff like um, during like the 90s, uh, those teen movies, you oh, know, yeah, yeah. coming of age movies, mm-hmm. a lot of the, their stuff has been on the soundtracks. And I was looking through and listening to a lot of their songs. I'm like, this is a really good band
2: yeah they yeah seem like good yeah
1: band. it's a lot of fun very i mean they even have buddy guys ain't no sunshine when she's gone that's a great and song. they punk rock it up and it sounds good that's
2: a great who had to hit with that again bill withers
1: but yeah bill withers yeah, but bill buddy withers. guy um also did it yep. he did popular with it mm-hmm. i love that song
2: buddy Guy's very good
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh i am so completely out of touch with television now i had no idea who Luann De Lesseps is. Do you mm-hmm. know who Luanne De Lesseps nope. is? Nope. Uh, she's checked herself back into rehab. The 53-year-old real housewives of New York oh. City. Oh well. God! i yeah, Does anyone never watched watch? it. They no. must. People must watch it because this is a big story today.
1: I know. I don't. I, I
2: don't have get a it. life. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the whole deal. The 53-year-old real housewives of New York City star is seeking help for the second time after attending an alcohol treatment program last year. People confirms. The reality star has only authorized co-star Bethany Frankel to speak on her behalf. Oh, really? Whatever. This weekend, Luann was surrounded by her girlfriends and decided with their support that in light of recent circumstances, it is the healthiest choice for her not to attend Tuesday's reunion taping so that she can continue in her healing process, Frankel tells people. Luann is now surrounded by a core group of people who truly have her best interests at heart and who are working to make sure she gets the help she needs. Bravo has been very supportive of Luann during this time. It's a brave and honest decision by her, and everyone is rallying around her and wants the best for her. Uh, Bravo confirmed that she is not taping the Season 10 reunion. Bravo supports Luann's decision to focus on her health. So what did she do that ended she ended up in uh, rehab?
1: Probably, I
2: won't go to rehab.
1: Probably drinking.
2: On set. You think it was on set, Shwieland? What's Hi. her name? Uh, Luann D-E-L-E-S-S-E-P-S. D- e- Luann De Lesseps.
1: I have a feeling it's probably a combination of alcohol and pills.
2: You think that's what it is? Yeah. So she acted like a jackass on set or something?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Listen to this. She's on a Housewives TV show. Luanne loves doing the cabaret, Frankel says about the reality star, whose goal is to return to the stage as soon as possible. The stage. Return to the stage. Oh, uh, yeah. It was booze. <laughs> it was booze. She was boozing it up at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you don't want to be doing that boozing it up at work, man. Well, they're not going to put up with it.
1: Every time I've seen clips of those shows, that's all they're doing is Yeah, sitting yeah, around, right. so... having dinner together, and drinking cocktails. Yeah, 100%
2: so. correct. You're absolutely right about that. So she... That's what all they do on those shows is booze it up with each other,
1: mm-hmm. and then one gets loud, and the other one slaps her, and then people are flipping tables, mm-hmm. and it's all this dra- scripted drama. So yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, oh, that makes total sense to me. By the way, it is yeah, just started uh, Prime Day on Amazon. Just started nine minutes ago.
1: Yep, yep, it's trending on Twitter. Oh, I've actually already? done the the Prime Day before uh shopping for christmas stuff
2: i heard the best deals to be had on amazon prime day are amazon products like alexis like um what else do they have they oh tinder or kinder excuse me
1: yeah well they have the well they have the kindle
2: kindle that's and then
1: they have alexa which you can get the echo uh the echo dot and they they have different sizes so there's like smaller versions I mean, um, I don't know if they do any specials on movies uh, for Prime because, I, I mean, know. if you're a Prime member, they do have uh, where you can rent movies yeah, and yep. stuff like that. I don't know if they yeah. do any specials that way. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've saved – I haven't I've saved huge. I've probably have done better on Black Friday sales. Yeah. But it's kind of nice, the convenience of just sitting at home and watching um, how it works is that they put up certain products – for a time period at this price, so you got to get in within like yeah. a fifteen minute window to purchase it at that price, and then sometimes they run out of stock, so then you're just SOL with that product if you wanted oh, yeah, it. So you got to yeah. get it right away. So it's oh, kind of so like eBay.
2: To show you what kind of fraud I am, by the way, I'm sitting at home this morning about four o'clock in the morning, and I look, oh, it's going to be Prime Day, and then I see that uh, that uh, the head gun over there what's his name, Bezos, Jeff Bezos,
1: mm-hmm. that he's
2: worth $120 billion now. And I'm going, what the hell is wrong with people? They're so foolish. This guy's worth $120 billion. What the hell are they buying on Amazon? Literally, there must be a God, because about a minute later, I was notified the five things I bought on Amazon have shipped. <laughs> so I'm right there in the middle with everybody else just spending all my dough on Amazon. It's unbelievable.
1: So right now I'm looking at Amazon. Like right now you can get the Echo Dot, it's originally forty nine ninety nine. You can mm-hmm. get it right now for twenty nine ninety nine. Okay, so that's their product. Yep. So I mean, you know, you're saving a good chunk of money.
2: So and tablets, I guess tablets, Kindle, and uh, Echo are the three things that you can save the most on. Yeah. True? Let
1: me see what they have for electronics, because that's like the big thing is buying electronics, and it won't let me go to it.
2: Well, here you go. Right here, the Amazon tip you need to know in two thousand eighteen. Think you're already getting the best prices? You'll be surprised. We all love Amazon, but it's an enormous marketplace, and fluctuating prices makes it nearly impossible for the average shopper to find the best possible deal. And did you know that Amazon prices change millions of times a day? Even a careful shopper could accidentally overpay. I definitely have, especially when I'm buying in a hurry. Uh, luckily, there's an easy way to outsmart the Amazon system and ensure you pay the lowest price every time you shop honey.
4: What the hell is honey? It's an app that it's like a couponing app, basically. Oh, it is? Okay. Mm-hmm. Recommended by. Oh, so this is a commercial I'm reading. Yep. Unbelievable.
2: I,
1: I don't know what's going on with Amazon, but I'm trying to shop their deals and it won't take me to their deals. <laughs> Did somebody oh, break won't? Amazon? Yeah, no. it just. It you won't bought load. too much
4: stuff. Uh, their servers are probably up, overloaded. Yeah,
1: probably. I guess I won't be shopping on Amazon today. (laughs) Because you
4: can't get through to them. That's the Mm. whole problem there.
1: I do subscribe to a bunch of products on Amazon. And the more you you subscribe, the more you save. Like like if you have like 10 stuff you... uh, 10 items that you subscribe to every month or every two months it's nice you can pick how often you want it shipped to you if it's every month every oh yeah two months yeah. um you get to save more like it's 10 percent if you have seven items mm-hmm. you can save up to 15 percent per item if you have more than uh 15 items so just depending okay. yeah i i love amazon
2: well i do too and i can't admit it to myself but i actually do I just I think it's a situation where Jeff Bezos looked at Sears catalog and realized what the hell it was and he upgraded it to digital and has become a worth hundred and twenty billion dollars. I don't know how could Sears have dropped the ball on that?
1: I, I don't know. Well see a lot of those a lot of those companies, I mean J C Penney's Sears macy's you can shop online yeah but they don't make it easy to shop online it
2: makes no sense to me at all
1: i mean amazon is kind of a one-stop shop you can get food on amazon you can get clothes you can get electronics you can get books i mean they have everything under the sun under one website versus i mean because sears honestly sears the only way that they're gonna ever survive is if they just market themselves as for hardware and tools, yeah, kind yeah. of like, kind of maybe turn into more of like an Ace Hardware, where yeah. they, because they had they uh, had the Craftsman line of tools, and that's a high, a very popular brand of tools to buy, whether it's for automotive,
2: no oh, Craftsman,
1: yes, because yeah. they make a good quality tool, yeah, and do. I think Sears is the only one that carries them.
2: They sold them out, I don't think now.
1: Oh, did they? I used
2: to do the voiceover for Craftsman for years. Yeah. And I think they sold Craftsman. I'm not certain. Andy, would you check and see if Sears sold Craftsman tools?
1: Um, I think
2: I heard they did.
1: Yeah, but I mean, if they maybe just uh, rein in on just that part, they could probably do very well.
2: Yeah, I um, think that's true.
1: Like if they stake, or maybe like a Home Depot type of, because um, they sell lawnmowers, they sell, you know, appliances and everything. Maybe if they stick with just that and get rid of because i've never gone to sears to buy clothing the only time i go to sears is if i need wrenches if i want to see what deals they have on a lawnmower so i don't know i i think that would probably be the best option for them because that's the only reason why i went to sears right so, I Any, know. What do you got?
4: Craftsman is now owned by Stanley Black & Decker. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I Black & Decker. Was okay. I thought that was true. But they
1: kept the Craftsman name because yeah. they have that branding. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I was part of Sears Automotive and uh, Craftsman Tools. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you this. If you get up nice and early like I do in the first half hour of your <laughs> existence every day, you're in a daze pretty much. Because <laughs> you get up at 3 in the morning, three thirty, four o'clock, whatever time it is. Don't order anything from Amazon until later in the day because I've done things like, you know, ice pink grapefruit drink.
1: Yes, I love it.
2: I do, too. I I just had
1: one last night.
2: Yeah, I just had one this morning. Mm -hmm. So I will tell you this, though. I wanted to get some pink grapefruit ice just delivered from Amazon.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Was not paying attention to what I was doing. Didn't even look at the price, whatever. I just ordered it. I hit uh, order now. And I received 10 cases of it. Oh. I thought I was ordering a couple. I ordered <laughs> 10 cases. and I can't remember how much money it was. It was like a fortune.
1: Who do you think you are, Sam's Club? <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly, I'm Sam's. You're buying Give in me bulk? 10 <laughs> cases of pink grapefruit ice. That's what I want right now. In one of his last interviews before his death, conducted a few days after people traveled with him to Lafayette, Louisiana, for the filming of an episode of Parts Unknown, Anthony Bourdain shared some choice words on Harvey Weinstein. The late chef, who was a vocal and fierce supporter of the hashtag MeToo movement, and his girlfriend, Asia Argento, who accused Weinstein of sexual assault, told the Popula in February that he was frustrated that Weinstein at the time was in Arizona seeking treatment for a sex addiction and not behind bars. Also, he tried to get out of it by the sex addiction thing. For me, I have this discussion with a number of people, as you might imagine, Bourdain told writer Maria Bostilos or Bastille's. However much people might want to see Harvey Weinstein dead or in jail, he's in effing Arizona. He's in Arizona eating in restaurants in Arizona and at off-the-grid restaurants in Arizona, so he can't even eat at the best sushi restaurant in Scottsdale. He's got to go to some S effing place. What's that mean, effing? No idea. I
4: don't know what that could be. It probably means I'm super oh, drunk and no, can no, barely... no.
2: It's the big Shiite. So he has to go to some... Well, no one says that. That doesn't even make sense. I know. So Arizona, I mean, as much as I'd like to see him, you know, beaten to death in his jail cell. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, why don't you calm down there dial it back. Bastillos then finished Bourdain's sentence saying it's much better to watch horrible people live and suffer the consequences, Bourdain, then shared a scenario of how he thought Weinstein might die. My theory of how he goes is, uh... He's brushing his teeth in a bathroom. He's naked in his famous bathrobe, which is flapping open. He's holding his cell phone one hand because you never know who on the Weinstein board has betrayed him recently. He's brushing his teeth. He suddenly gets a massive effing stroke. Bourdain said he stumbles backwards into the tub where he finds himself um, with his robe open, feet sticking out of the tub. And in his last moments of consciousness, he scrolls through his contact. He's really got this thing dialed in. Uh, contact list trying to figure out who he can call, who will actually actually answer the phone, and he dies that way, knowing that no one will help him and that he is not looking at uh, his finest time of death, Bourdain added. In June, Weinstein pled not guilty to multiple sexual assault charges, including rape brought against him in New York City. Weinstein was indicted in late May of charges of rape in the first and third degree, as well as criminal sexual acts in the first degree, Weinstein was arrested on May 25th on the same counts and was released on bail. His lawyer, Benjamin Braffman said uh, in a statement that he was not surprised by the indictment, noting it does not add anything to the case we did not already know. Mr. Weinstein intends to vigorously defend against these unsupported allegations that he strongly denies. Uh, Braffman said, we will soon formally move to dismiss the indictment. And if this case actually proceeds to trial, we expect Mr. Weinstein to be acquitted. What is that going to cost him if this moves to trial? A lot. Millions and millions of dollars is all you can. I can't even guess how many million, but millions and millions of dollars is going to cost him. We will be right back. Tom Bernard Show.
4: This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American
2: Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here to tell you Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night and you get paid weekly. Call Roger or Eddie right now, 651-748-4477, or visit them online at drivewithpriority.com. Priority Courier Experts, every time you call us, we deliver. Bam, bam, bam. Pretzel.
5: Went through a party in the county jail. The prison band was there they began. Again, the, the band was jumping and began to swing. You should have heard your knock.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, we were just talking about this. We are just talking about Amazon, and it's Amazon Prime Day. It started about 22 minutes ago. It's a very happy Prime Day indeed for Jeff Bezos. On Monday morning, the Amazon founder became the richest person in modern history. Bloomberg reports Bezos, 54, now has a network. Remember I said it was $120 billion?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: His net worth now is $150 billion.
1: Holy buckets.
2: In the past about three days, it's gone up $30 billion. Wow.
4: He's going to be the, fir- the world's first trillionaire. No, mm-hmm. oh, he'll get assassinated long before that. You think somebody will assassinate him? No one's going to let him become a trillionaire. There's no way. Really? They'd be afraid of the amount of power he would have. Well, that's true. That's very true.
2: $55 billion more than the second richest person in the world, Bill Gates. Gates was, uh, Gates was briefly worth $100 billion in 1999. And when adjusted for inflation that would be 149 billion in today's dollars meaning Bezos 150 is the biggest fortune anyone has had since at least 1982 when Forbes started publishing its annual wealth rankings. Bloomberg notes that if Gates hadn't given so much of his fortune away, he'd be worth more than 150 billion today. Mm-hmm. Bezos net worth has increased by 52 billion dollars this year alone. So what you're saying Andy is he better start giving it away or somebody's going to take him out
4: yeah. You think that's really true? There's a lot of people who... I mean, well, that is just too much power for one person to have. That's a lot of power. You're right about that. Either
1: that or he's going to get somebody... Somebody's going to come forward and accuse him of uh, sexual assault. I'm surprised people haven't already. Yeah, that's true.
4: That's a very good point. Unless they're being silenced. They're being silenced. They probably are. Really? I definitely wouldn't
2: doubt it. You might be ready about yeah. You might be right about that whole situation. I just uh, hundred and fifty billion dollars. Why wouldn't you just start giving it away in mass amounts? Because he's a bad person. Do you need more than a couple of billion dollars? I used to say do you need more than a billion dollars. Let's say it's a couple of billion now that it's up to hundred and fifty billion. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Why do you need that much money? I just don't understand why the hell you would need that much money. But is it, is it all ego? You're the richest person in modern history. Now, Andy, didn't you tell me that uh, in today's dollars, some of these Egyptian kings were worth hundreds of billions of dollars?
4: Well, yeah, they were worth so much that money doesn't really describe what they were worth.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. Like a, an Egyptian
4: right. pharaoh? Yeah, he was worth all of Egypt, which at the time was basically you know, pretty much all of the world's meaningful wealth. Yeah, that is pretty much the, true, the truth right there. With most Amazon
2: articles focused on Prime Day deals, the New York Times is out with a story focusing on the opposite end of the spectrum. The astronomical prices some third-party sell, third sellers are attaching to books sold on the site. It zeroes in on romance author Deborah McGillivray, Gillivray, or something like that, who in June tweeted that one retailer was selling a used copy of her novel, One Snowy Night. For twenty six hundred thirty dollars and fifty two per cent uh fifty two cents and free shipping though
1: <laughs> you gotta get that free shipping.
2: This is a used copy of her novel, One Snowy Night. Never mind, you can find the two thousand nine paperback elsewhere on Amazon for ninety nine cents plus shipping. As for the How, the Times notes the wild book prices tend to be found in more obscure corners of the bookstore that Amazon isn't overseeing as actively. A rep for Kensington, the book's publisher says. Amazon's willingness to allow third-party vendors to sell authors' books with zero oversight is driving us insane. Amazon, for its part, says it is actively taking down offers that don't align with its policies, though the paper found that prices of $600 and up were commonly found for secondhand copies of books. And the Times points out that after McGillivries, or whatever the hell her name is, Uh, Tweet, the price of the priciest copy of One Snowy Night went upward to $2,812.48. The listing is live as of this writing. Uh, Why would somebody spend $2,800 on a secondhand copy of a book? Can't you get books anywhere, pretty much
1: anywhere? Yeah, I mean, you can go to a used bookstore and probably find a good chunk of them for five bucks. I
2: would think that's the case. Was
1: it a signed copy?
2: Nah, it's probably true. And the signed copies, you're supposed to never, ever... have it put Yeah, personalize it. Yeah, I guess it, it costs mm-hmm. a lot of money if you personalize a book like that, which I don't really understand, but, you know. Uh, but, yeah, it, dear Tom, thanks for uh, reading the book uh, signed Katie or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to get your own name put on there because it's just a really bad idea. It's, uh, you know, it's not going to work out for the best for you because you had it personalized... And now it's not worth anywhere near as much money to a, to another buyer, mm-hmm. I guess. And
1: Especially if it's a rare book.
2: I had him sign this for me, and I yeah. So you can claim that you had the book autographed by the author mm-hmm. because even though it was somebody else that did it, you can claim it was you because it's not uh, personalized, which I guess makes total sense. Absolutely. Apple employee allegedly stole self-driving car tech. How the hell do you even do that? How, is that how, how would you even allow that to happen to you? A former Apple engineer was arrested as he was about to board a flight from San Jose to China Saturday, accused by U.S. prosecutors of stealing tech secrets from the firm with the plan of passing them along to a Chinese startup, the Washington... This is like Silicon Valley. <laughs> this is exactly what happened on Silicon Valley, isn't it? A Chinese guy started yeah. selling all the technology from Silicon Valley to... What did he say? It was like the new the new uh apple the new newser the new mm-hmm. all these the new things he's going to take all these websites from america and start them up in china as the new whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> God, Smart. Unbelievable! the new pied piper this is the one that i loved. pied piper isn't even up, up and running yet but he wants to have the new pied piper I guess it all works out in the end, though, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Zhang Xiaolang, once a hardware engineer for Apple's driverless car development team, told the company in April that he was leaving to go back to China and work at Xiaoping Motors, or X Motors, which is also developing autonomous vehicles. But Apple became suspicious when his level of network activity increased exponentially before his resignation. And officials say he ultimately admitted downloading self-driving car technology, files to his wife's laptop prosecutors say those files included engineering schematics as well as technical manuals and reports how did he think
4: he was going to get away with It's that? a good question
2: well
1: yeah because when usually in, like especially um uh like mainframe computers they can tell when people are downloading yeah, stuff and yeah, everything absolutely. else and where it's getting downloaded to. <laughs> all
2: right and you usually have a lot of opinions about what happens in china right I mean, you keep really. Well, yeah, you keep an eye on that stuff, though. A little. Uh, plane scary descent linked to... Oh, okay, so here's what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. This happened. A plane dropped 21,000 feet because they thought the plane was on fire, because the detectors on the plane said the plane was on fire, and the oxygen level in the cabin was going to drop dramatically. This all happened because one of the uh, flight attendants... This guy decided to vape Oh my god! on the airplane. Well, he smart. was vaping on the airplane. So the
1: plane thought it was on fire?
2: The plane apparently thought it was on fire, and the, the pilot and co-pilot didn't know if it was on fire or not. Mm-hmm. So they dropped down 20. Let's see how, how long it took them to drop that far. Uh, when I close my eyes, I see the oxygen mask dangling in front of me. That's the lingering anxiety of a passenger on a recent Air China flight that plummeted thousands of feet after oxygen levels dropped. A senior official from the Civil Aviation Admission of China tells CNN the reason for the descent stems from a co-pilot smoking an Mm e-cigarette. The official says the pilot tried to shut off the air recycling fan so the vapor wouldn't reach the cabin, but toggled the wrong switches, causing air pressure to drop.
1: Oh,
4: no. Smart guy.
2: After the plane fell Tuesday during a three-hour flight from Hong Kong to the Chinese city of Dalian, Uh, Pilots were able to bring the plane back to around 25,000 feet, and it landed safely. Various sources are listing different numbers for how far the plane actually dropped. But flight data cited by Newsweek shows uh, 21,000-foot decrease over 18 minutes. Wow. Now, Andy, speculate. Was was this guy who was vaping on the plane Mm. and smoking an e-cigarette on the plane, do you think he ever existed? Yeah, in
1: well Oh, are you trying to say that maybe they're trying to cover up their mistake? Because I, I don't... Um, it, it's not smoke when no, you not smoke. Well, it no. sounds
4: like the problem wasn't the vapor. It was that he toggled the wrong something switches. and caused the air pressure to drop. But do you think that a flight attendant actually did that? I would be surprised if a flight attendant had that kind of power.
2: That's exactly what I'm thinking. That's a lot of power to give to a flight attendant.
4: Yeah, why would there be a switch that lowers the air pressure of the uh, of the airplane that just anyone could flick? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make any. sense I mean, sense maybe to me at it, all. it's true. Maybe they're just maybe you know,
1: maybe they do really
4: poorly designed. But yeah. I don't know.
1: They could have maybe um, an air pressure switch uh, for emergency purposes. Like if they're going down fast or right. something, right. you have to decrease the air pressure. Otherwise. It could cause issues. People can pass out and everything else if they're if they're um, descending at a very rapid rate. Yep. I don't know. Maybe that it must be some type of safety switch or something. I don't know.
2: All right. So we had that one in China, uh, a story that began embarrassingly has ended tragically. People reports on the death of 58 year old Andre Sukulin, a Russian guitarist who spurred an emergency landing of a trans. Franceavia Airlines plane in Portugal. Per De Telegraph, via WJW, Sukalin's odor during the May 29th flight from Spain to the Netherlands was said to be so noxious other pa- passengers began to vomit. <laughs> How could your wow. body odor be so bad that people would vomit?
1: I don't know. I have a bunch of teenage boys in the house.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's different.
1: There's times where I go downstairs and it is pretty funky down there.
2: (laughs) Honest to God, they were said to be so noxious that passengers began vomiting and fainting. Crew members moved Succalin to the plane's bathroom and tried to mask the smell with air freshener, but the pilots eventually decided it would be best to land. Now, however, it's revealed the reason Succalin caused such a stink was because His body tissues were dying due to necrosis after he apparently got a beach infection while vacationing in Spain. His skin was rotting off his body on the airplane.
4: How did he not know? (laughs) I
2: don't
1: know. Oh, God. They're smelling
2: dying flesh.
1: You would think Mm. at, like, checking the (laughs) the ticket counter, they'd be like, um, I don't think it should be flying today.
2: (laughs) The tragic and comic component of this whole situation is that I caught a disease which uh, makes a man quite stinky, he wrote May 30th on his Facebook page. The progression of Sukulin's ailment can be seen in increasingly dire status updates, many posted by his wife, Lydia Tikhonovich. Newsweek notes Sukolin underwent several surgeries to stop the infection, but he eventually fell into a coma and died. Mm. He died of rotting flesh that Goals. he got on a beach in Spain.
4: How the hell did he get?
2: It doesn't even know. make sense. God. Oh, God. That's
1: disgusting.
2: I love what his wife posted, though. She, a, Tick Honovich's uh, updates culminate in one posted Monday, Andre's gone, alas.
1: Mm. <laughs> alas. <laughs> she alas. put alas. Alas. She's getting uh, very fancy with her words.
2: That, how... Y- can you even imagine how much rotting flesh would stink on an airplane? Oh,
1: I well, I mean I've had it where Ugh. I forgot I had a pound of ground beef in my fridge and oh, yeah. I'm like, Oh my god, this smells disgusting. Yeah. I have to like put it in uh like three garbage bags and
2: Oh, there's no question about that. We we literally there there was a pound of, of uh beef that had gone past its date by a few days. Mhm. So I, not knowing the kind of ins and outs of stuff like that, threw it in the garbage. The garbage smelled like somebody had died in
1: there. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was stinky. I can't imagine a walking um, meat bag, (laughs) rotting meat bag Mm -hmm. walking around. I know.
2: Seriously, every time you would slide, because we have a drawer system in our house, Mm -hmm. you slide slide the drawer out, and that would catch your nose immediately. It was was unbearable.
1: Mm -hmm. Honest
2: to God. I even threw it in the next door neighbor's trash can. No, I did not.
1: So, that's, like, that's nobody, nobody um, told this person, hey, uh, you have something going on. I think you need it. I mean, I would. I'd be like, dude, you stink. <clears throat> well, he would have go to go have smelled
4: it or felt think? it or, you know, a number of things.
1: I don't know. That's I mean, there's, so not,
4: bad. there's not many things that can cause necrosis, mm-hmm. and almost all of them you would notice. What kind of an infection would you get that would cause necrosis? it doesn't matter because
2: we got our guest okay well we'll take our very very quick break and be right back with our special guest on the tom bernard show if you are a
5: homeowner you do not want to miss this free event we are hosting a free seller workshop where we are going to teach you how to net between 30 to sixty thousand dollars more on your home sale Plus, we are going to share our proven systems that will instantly put the control back in your corner.
2: Guarantee yourself the results you deserve when it comes time to sell your house.
5: Our exclusive workshop will be sold out shortly, so call now to secure your free ticket by calling 763-401-SOLD or by visiting SellerWorkshop.com. This free seller workshop will be held the week of August 6th. The
2: last workshop sold out very fast, so hurry. And call Chris Lindahl Real Estate today to
5: save your free ticket. So call now, 763-401-SOLD, or visit sellerworkshop.com for times, locations, and to secure your free ticket.
2: Okay, you know how it works. Uh, I don't promote people that aren't the real deal or don't do the right thing. This is not a bare bones situation at all. And the best part is it's free.
5: Hello. Hey, how you doing? I've been here over a year now. It's going great. That's right. Most everything I do at Priority Courier Experts is local same-day deliveries. Home for dinner every night. I was just looking for something different. I kept seeing those trucks everywhere, so I gave them a call. Yep, Minnesota's largest same-day delivery company, with 500 professional drivers working for customers every day. We are busy. It sure is a lot of vehicles. I guess 21 years as Minnesota's proven same-day leader provides a lot of opportunity for drivers like me. And the more I drive, the more I make. Go figure. (laughs) Transportation is a rock-solid career choice. Freight moves the world. Always has and always will. Priority is hands-down the best move I ever made. Great hours, great pay, and great life. I just called 651-748-4477. They can answer all your questions right over the phone. Getting started is easy.
2: Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. We deliver. Do, 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 do. Is that Johnny Cash?
1: You know it is.
2: It sounds just like Johnny.
1: I love Johnny. I did too. I love that kind of rockabilly, you know, Jerry Lee, Johnny Cash, all of them.
2: Close, How about that Blake Shelton or what his name is?
1: Oh, yeah, I just read that news story. Um,
2: I fell on stage because I was drunk.
1: Yeah, but he was. Oh. I, <laughs> Dave was reading me the news story this morning and and he's like, Well, he was at a whiskey fest well, and Well see there you go. And one thing that's great about Blake Shell when stuff like that happens, he just admits it. I was yeah. drunk. No, you does. know, he doesn't try it's to hide great. anything.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, our special nope. guest She uh, hung up. Yeah. Was oh, Keach a woman?
1: Yes. Maybe, I don't know. Well, yes. I
2: Keisha, well, I know. All I know is that they're gone. Yeah, they. So hopefully they call back. Well, that's too bad because I really wanted to talk to her about this. The mm-hmm. king of. Oh, con- there
0: nope, she is. There
4: I think.
2: Kee- Hello? Keach, is it you? Hi.
0: It's me. I've been trying to call.
2: You know what's amazing, Keach? I look. Your last name pronounced Hagee. Hagee, that's right. Keach Hagee sounds like a stud in like college football. I love that <laughs> name. It's a great name. Keach Hagee Hage was there and he threw the winning touchdown.
5: <laughs> Hagee.
2: So is your is your birth name Keech? It is. It's one where it it come insane. from. Did they
0: like uh, Stacy Keech? Well, it's a it's a family name. It's a last name in my family. Oh, okay. it is okay. It's a first name.
2: What's well, a great name. It's a very good Thanks. name. Hagee, the king of content. i tell you what Keech, what I'm going to do is looking at this story. This man has always fascinated me. Because, and you lay it all out in the King of Content, Sumner Redstone's battle for Viacom, CBS, and everlasting control of his
5: media empire.
2: <laughs> Only Sumner Redstone would go for something like that. He's an interesting guy. Um, how did you start? Did, where'd your interest uh, come from in this whole Sumner Redstone story?
0: Well, you know, I'm a reporter for the Wall Street Journal. And oh, I cover media industry, and Viacom was one of the companies I covered. And a few years ago, Viacom stock was doing really badly and no one had seen or heard from Sumner Redstone in about a year. And people were starting to wonder, does he know what's going on in this company that he controls? And we started digging into that question and found some pretty wild answers. And that uh, reporting that sort are of led to the book over the course of the next six months
2: or so. Honest guy, Keach, I didn't even read on from about the first paragraph of the description because I didn't want to find. I wanted you to tell me about this. It, 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 in the King of Content, Sumner Redstone's uh, Battle for Viacom, CBS, and Everlasting Control of his Media Empire, Keach Hagee deconstructs Redstone's rise from Boston's West End through Harvard Law School to the highest echelons of American business. He's 95 now, huh?
0: That's right. You know, he always thought he was going to live forever. We just didn't know that he wasn't kidding.
2: <laughs> what? What? Where did Sumner Redstone come from? I mean, in his own mind, how did he achieve what he achieved?
0: Well, he came from the streets of the West End in Boston, right. which is like Boston's version of the Lower East Side. So he really did come from humble origins. Um, you know, the, he loves to repeat this story, how the bathroom was at the end of the hall and this tenement that he grew up in. But he rose pretty quickly. I he's had a photographic memory. He shot straight to the top of every class he was ever in, you know, through all the various Harvards. Um, but he spent his entire adult career just about working for his father's chain of drive-in movie theaters, oh. which later became... Um, regular movie theaters and they actually invented the multiplex so he had he was just a regional theater executive who because he was so good at math and um had such savvy business instincts he started doing some stock market investing in the 70s and 80s made a killing on um a few media stocks because he would get an early peak at the movies so he would take a look at star wars walk across the street put his quarter in the payphone and buy fox stock and he made a ton of money that way and um, in the middle, uh, middle late 1980s, there was a sort of new rising company, Viacom, that was on the scene. And he was an investor. And their uh, their management tried to do their own take-private transaction. He thought it was oh. too low, and so he made a run for the company. And to everyone's complete shock, um, he won it, and he became a media mogul overnight at uh, around retirement age.
2: That is amazing. But he later on, I believe, he split Viacom and CBS, didn't he?
0: so he went on that was Ficom was just the first tasty morsel that he consumed yeah, right, um exactly. and then he went on to he bought uh paramount pictures which mm-hmm. is this you know oldest most storied uh, hollywood movie studio he bought blockbuster he then bought cbs which was his own company at that time in what was the largest media deal ever in us history at the time and then he later did split CBS and Viacom. Yeah, and so. yeah, now yeah. there's a big fight about whether they should be reunited.
3: <laughs> yeah, what
2: is that all about? I did notice that in, in the uh, notes at the beginning of the book, that there's a huge fight. It's, it's his daughter that's a big part of it, is yeah. that right?
0: That's right. So, you know, he, he has not been in great health the last few years, um, and in the last two years has been this crazy power struggle where his daughter, um, who at times was sort of designated as his successor and at times um, absolutely barred from talking about it, uh, his daughter took control and is now running the... The business, the the sort of family holding that controls these two large public companies, CBS and Viacom. And with every other media company consolidating around them, she pushed them twice in the last two years to try to merge, to merge back into the original structure that her father had had 15 years ago. Uh, unfortunately, a lots changed since then, and CBS doesn't really want to merge with Viacom because Viacom yeah. has MTV Networks and Nickelodeon, and those are kind of old cable channels that yeah. are having a really tough time in the age of Netflix. So um, they didn't want to merge, and they filed a lawsuit in May saying, not only do we not want to merge, but we want to take your, the family control that your family has uh, away from our company. And there's a, there's, right now, they are, the two sides are, uh, they have a trial set in October over this issue.
2: Uh, The book is called The King of Content. Keach Hagey's last name is H-A-G-E-Y. And this might be kind of outside the boundaries or whatever, but I still want to ask you. I was very excited to hear when you were a woman, because, you know, Keech Hagey could be a man, could be a woman, because you said, you know, last names in the family. What has Sumner Redstone's problem always been with women? What is that all about? I mean, he goes through women like, I don't know, I don't know. I, I don't want to compare it to anything because they're you hu- <laughs> Women are human beings. So, what is what's his deal? He can't seem to get along with the same woman for very long, including his own but daughter.
0: His love life has been his Achilles heel his whole life, yeah. no question. Yeah. Um, p- some people who know him well point to his original relationship with his mother, who oh, was very yeah. demanding and really pushed him to, to study. And you know, she would she was very anxious, and she would lie down on the floor and fake a heart attack to guilt oh. him into practicing the piano longer. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, but it was very effective. You know, she got results. He was yeah. he was top of the class all the time. Um, But he had very mixed feelings about her, Um, and some people point to that as an explanation for why he has all these troubled relationships with women. He was married to his wife, the father of his two children, for 52 years. but He carried on a completely separate, basically like a second family with this longtime mistress. Yeah. who was in the hotel room with him the night of the famous fire when he almost died. And, you know, he told that story over and over again his whole life, but he would always conveniently leave out that there was another person in the room with him, his mistress. Um, so, you know, he was a philanderer his entire marriage and then as he got older he just had a taste for you know beautiful women and he had billions of dollars and he was in california which was not where he was from he was from boston Mm -hmm. so i think all those things being sort of untethered from his normal life allowed him to get deep into some rather dark places (laughs) um in terms of his relationship with women and you know paying for some of that you
2: know, what's interesting about that it, it always is that thing isn't it because whether it's your mother or your father you're going to handle that person again if it's a mother women and if it's a father men i mean i personally did not get along with my father and and i love women and i'm distrustful as hell of men isn't that bizarre why would that carry it is, on it is bizarre uh,
0: he, he has sort of a it was it was not It was not just sexism people who work for him who are women would say that actually he wasn't sexist but he you know he had female executives um you know he was of a generation when there was just rampant sexism throughout the entire movie theater and uh media industry of course but um it, it wasn't that he thought that women you know couldn't be smart executives it was more that he had trouble saying no to them so he had trouble saying no to his own daughter mm-hmm. a lot of the time um, people close to him say and when these women who were half his age have entered his life very late in his life he had a whole lot of trouble saying no to them and they ended up taking 150 million dollars from him
2: Ooh, how'd that happen just well, and,
0: how is that he he gave it to them over the course of you know chunks oh here God. and there, forty five million here, forty five million there. <laughs> um, he put some of it into his will. Um, so th- this this is highly contested in in legal battles that are only now starting to be you know settled or set you know years after it happened. But um, you know basically the people, some people around Sumner's, including. Himself legally say this was elder abuse. You know they brainwashed him, oh, into yeah. giving them these mil- these millions. But a lot of people close to Sumner say this is exactly what he wanted. He loved he loved these women. He wanted to give them money to make them happy, and he didn't want to give it to his family. And um, that that was his true desire. So Keith, let me ask you? He was should- not a very nice man. <laughs> no,
2: no, that's very true. Why did he not? See what's what was going to happen on YouTube, and therefore, why didn't he buy YouTube? Because it it's YouTube basically that destroyed MTV and Nickelodeon, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean the story of watching Viacom kick the tires up and then pass on YouTube, Facebook, MySpace—you know, all yeah. of these great social networks—it's um, painful. It's painful. It was painful to go see it and then now see what's happened to these companies. So none of they're not very many great examples of big media companies who have identified a rising digital company, bought it, and really yeah, done well. Okay there's, right. okay, there's a few examples. The Bleacher Report that Turner bought was a pretty good um, bet. Maker Studios, the mm-hmm. Disney bought that did okay, wasn't amazing, um, but in general, it's very hard for them to do that, and I think you know, these companies didn't have a lot of revenue, and they certainly had very little profit in these early stages. And now, I just don't think that um, the old media executives, looking at the just basic profit and loss of these companies, had the stomach for, uh, for buying them, even though the growth in users that they had was so enormous.
2: You know, by, by coincidence, we're just talking about the fact that Jeff Bezos is now worth $150 billion as of today, Wow. Um, and here's a guy that basically just looked at the Sears catalog and said, hey, I, I ought to take that digital.
0: Uh, how could yeah. that have happened? Well, also, he was willing to basically make no profits for a right. very, very, very long time. Yep. And that's the sort of mindset, that's the Silicon Valley mindset, even though Amazon is not, of course, from Silicon Valley. Right. That, um, that it's just a different way of thinking about the world and that these old media companies who are used to 40% margins. I mean, the margins yeah. in these businesses are unbelievable. They just have no tolerance for, for those razor-thin margins or, you know, zero. <laughs> you have to be so patient. And these are public companies. They have stockholders that are demanding, you know, yeah. a dividend yesterday. So they're in a very tough spot.
2: Well, no question. Now, your life must be really fascinating to what you do.
0: <laughs> well, don't you think? Uh, well, it's, it's fun to yeah. be a, a reporter at a newspaper, absolutely. Um, I, mean, I, I feel very privileged, and I, I know there are fewer and fewer of those jobs around, and it is great fun. Isn't, no question.
2: It, isn't it a great joy to put together a book like you've just put together, Sumner Redstone? I mean, i I got to imagine doing this, was uh, doing The King of Content, was, was a thrill for you to do. I, it, it's fascinating
0: stuff. Well, thank you. It was, what was really fun was uh, the history piece, because you know I worked for a yeah, newspaper, so yeah. I know the more recent stuff, but getting to dig into the, the history of Boston and the history of this family in Boston and finding all the sort of underworld connections that um, this big public company controlling entity grew out of was surprising to me and fun. You
2: know, it's amazing to me, Keach, is that, that people have never looked at Boston for what it really is and why the things happen. Boston is the only place I know of in America anyway, maybe around the world it's true, but if you're from Boston and you're Irish and you're Catholic, that's good, except you can be the wrong kind of Irish Catholic because you're from, you know, you're a townie or you're a Southie. Only Boston would come up with, yeah, you're, right. you're Irish and you're, 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 you're Catholic, but you're not the right kind of Irish Catholic. <laughs> I mean, it's a very specific thinking that takes place in Boston. It really is. It's true,
0: yeah, and then learning just how the ethnic divisions were mapped onto politics, especially in the first half of the 20th oh, century, was wild. It was really interesting.
2: All right, well, you're having fun doing your job, I, and I now will continue my day doing this, this thing that I do. So, you know, have, have fun while I work really hard, Keach. <laughs> All right. Thank you, I will. Great talking to you, thank you. Keith Hagey, ladies and gentlemen. H-A-G-E-Y. The book is called The King of Content. Fascinating story about a fascinating man, Sumner Redstone. What a bizarre human being. But he knew what he was doing for a while. I don't know. We shall see. What do you think, Andy? Do you think uh, what he's going to do with MTV? What's he going to do with Nickelodeon? He should have bought YouTube, correct?
4: Yeah, if yeah. it was
2: ever for sale. Well, that's true. That's the other thing. Maybe he couldn't buy it. Mm. That's going to do it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tom Bernard Show.